0: when Roe versus Wade was first established, the Southern Baptist Convention, the main evangelical group in the United States, supported Roe versus Wade during the 1970s. Right? So they they have the convention, like, in 1972 right after roe versus wade is decided 1972 i may have my years wrong but it's 1972 1974 and 1978 or something like that and at each of those conventions they reaffirm roe versus wade why why because as evangelicals they take the uh, I was going to take the. I was going to say they take the Bible seriously. I take the Bible seriously. I'm not an evangelical. Yes, they, uh, they they read the Bible. They claim to take the Bible seriously. In the 1970s, they did take the Bible seriously, and they knew that the Bible never says anything about the practice of abortion, despite the fact that abortion has been practiced throughout all of human history. And it-
1: Hi, my name is Leo WT, and you have found your way to the Conversations podcast. Conversations exist to create spiritually minded conversations about life. We desire to create safe space for dialogue and community. We desire to come together regularly and intentionally to generate conversations about life, belief, and the intersection of the two. Everyone is welcome.
0: Live and ready to go
1: we are definitively streaming (laughs) so i'll give my little cheesy intro here now um you guys probably already know me but it's just a comfort device for me right it's like a blankie uh but my name is leo wt and i am here to chat with a good friend of mine pastor adam um if you don't know me uh i'm hoping that you find this video because i'm hoping it gets some spread but i am actually uh, a queer person a parent a person with a uterus and a pastor. Um, and a lot of things about that statement might confuse you, but if it confuses you, I especially hope that you stick around um, because it's, it's only good, so good to speak into an echo chamber. Um, but I, what I'd like to do is speak across some sociological boundaries here. But my name is Leo. Um, I'm a member in discernment in the United Church of Christ, which means I'm working towards ordination. I've actually, fun fact, entered my 16th year of pursuing ordination um, and still can't, still just trying to get someone to sign on dotted line uh, but I am you know I've come out four times in my life first is a lesbian second is a trans man third is a non-binary person and fourth is a pastor Um, but this is quite literally who I am and what I do and I feel like a pastor's role in a community is to speak up in times of trouble and we are certainly experiencing a time of trouble in the United States so I'm going to let my friend pastor uh, my friend introduce himself and then we'll dive into a little bit of conversation about um, what's happening in the United States and then in the Supreme Court.
0: Well, hey Leo, thank you for bringing me on the show. I always love talking with you. It's always a great conversation and an honor to hang out with you, my friend. So I am Adam. I'm pastor at Clackamas United Church of Christ. And uh, what else do you want to know? I, I what's your I, favorite color? My favorite, I, um, I'm uh, blue, I guess. I threw you no, a curveball there, didn't no, I? You're like deep theological. I'm, I'm Color. I know I'm, I'm seeing the rainbow behind me and I'm like purple actually I'm digging that purple on the rainbow right. that's, right. that's a it's a beautiful color right there I you know to hear a
1: funny story about just entrenched cultural ideas and how they relate with religion mm. I for over probably almost two decades of my life was afraid to wear purple because <laughs> I was taught that gay people wore purple and I was also simultaneously taught that gay people are going to hell and so even before I knew I was gay, I just didn't wear purple. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. I I had a purple sweatshirt when I was in middle school. And Mm -hmm. when I remember wearing it one time, and my dad said to me, purple is your color.
1: All right. Look at Wow.
0: Different
1: stories, right? But we're still here at this same conversation as two people who are (laughs) uh religious professionals and people who are invested in the spiritual health of our communities right to drastically some paths, but we're both here so um for those of you who don't know pastor adam is basically the man and by the man i mean the man that decides to use his amount of privilege acknowledge it and use it to help to make the world a better place and that's what i've always appreciated about adam so um he's kind of my guy man like i hit him up all the time And today, uh, in a time of quite, you know, quite literal, emotional and national chaos, I feel like it was important to chat with Pastor Adam about, you know, what's what's going on in the Supreme Court. Uh, it's my understanding. For those of you who haven't heard, I don't know how you haven't heard, but there was a leaked opinion about the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Um, it didn't actually get overturned, but it's being discussed. So that's where I understand the situation to be. And one of the more concerning points that I found about the opinion that was leaked was that the rights of um, women to access to women having access to healthcare and to same-sex marriages were actually this this opinion this uh judge's opinion was that they were not real rights they weren't historically grounded so um this is where we're at uh Adam what's been just your sort of initial take on this
0: uh it's horrible yeah uh, I just wanna I wanna cry uh for those of us who have uteruses yeah. um, it's just it's it's awful and I have heard that too that um the reason that Justice Alito says that this is on weak ground and the reason that it was written is because Roe versus Wade is dependent, apparently, on the 14th Amendment, Uh, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know a lot about this, but apparently that amendment has things to do with personhood, Mm -hmm. and uh, he says that it's on faulty ground. I've talked with some lawyers, progressive lawyers, in fact, uh, who hate this decision, Mm -hmm. but they say that when they were in law school, this Roe versus Wade and and how it relates to the 14th Amendment was one of the most complicated issues that they Mm -hmm. had to discuss. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and when it comes to the law, apparently uh, Justice Alito is, I hate to say it this way, not entirely wrong in in what he's saying about how they came up with this decision in Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. Um, It's murky uh, it's, it's really murky, apparently, according to my lawyer friends. Um, I think that the way we're going to have to do this is by winning the midterms Mm -hmm. and getting Congress to make a law about this. And, you know, the Republicans are going to make it, are going to try to make it even harder for us to vote because they know the more of us who vote, uh, the more, Democrats are going to get in, and the more we're going to make these kinds of laws that they're against. 70% of Americans want to keep Roe versus Wade. 70%. That includes many Republicans, by the way. Yeah, and that's straight from the Pew Research Center. That's not like a
1: biased um, statistical, you know, like. Organization or whatever like this is right. this is a valid statist, uh, organization that analyzes statistics. seventy percent of Americans are pro access to abortion services if needed, yeah and i that's wild to me that we have a governance so wildly disproportionate to like the populace
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and i I want to stress how important this is for those of us with uteruses. and I want to stress how important this is. It's all interconnected, right? How important this is for those of us who don't have uteruses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard this morning uh, that on a on a show that um Texas, you know, with its like draconian oh. abortion stuff yeah uh, if if you are a man and you happen to drive. Uh, someone to an abortion clinic, Mm -hmm. even if you're like an Uber driver, right? They're coming after you. They are coming after you too. This is not just going after, like men should be concerned about this because they're coming after us too. And you know what is really interesting about this too? Uh, Not this, there's a lot that's really interesting about this. I shouldn't put it that way, but you know what? They go after uh, the constitutional right to an abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh the 14th amendment also allows us to have uh same-sex marriage. So they may be going after that next. Mm-hmm. Um what else does the 14th amendment justify? I forget. There are other things too. You know what? I don't want guns. Yeah. I don't want I don't want people having guns. If we're going to f with the constitution, I'm going after the 2nd amendment. Yeah. Yeah. let's go after the 2nd amendment first. You know it was the Republicans. Remember when Obama was uh, elected president, they were like, they're coming after our guns. That was all projection because yep. Democrats will never go after your guns, partly no. because they're weak and partly because they don't care. <laughs> it was all projection because Republicans are coming after abortion. Absolutely. It was all projection
1: absolutely and that was i think that that's the problem is that was the plan um that was the plan all along and i'd love to dig into some like a little bit of history and also a faith-based response to this because as a person who grew up in a faith community and i did not merely drink the kool-aid bitches i double-fisted the kool-aid like (laughs) i am a natural golden retriever and so i wanted to be the best at christian yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: I'm so ashamed to admit this, but this is the perfect moment for me to admit this. Um, I had a sweatshirt that I wore quite regularly in high school that said abortion is homicide. And retroactively, I'm horrified because I had a friend who got pregnant in high school. And I remember this moment very clearly. And my other friend looked at me and she said, so you're telling me if she got an abortion, she should go to jail for, for committing homicide. And I never wore that sweatshirt again. I never wear a sweatshirt again because it's horrifying to think that in my hubris, I was making someone else feel like total dookie, right? Uh, But, but if you look at this historically, oh, thank you, Chanel. I'm so glad that you also experienced that. I'm not alone in this, I'm not alone in this sweatshirt wearing. Uh, But if you look at this issue, right? It wasn't a religious issue until the Ronald Reagan era and i think that's one of the most interesting things i i learned through um i read uh, jesus and john wayne by kristen kobe dumay yeah and no one gave a shit about abortions until ronald reagan said i can galvanize the catholics and the protestants over the issue of abortion so i got a newsflash for you this did not start as a pastoral religious concern y'all were bought
0: it so yes, a little more on the history. This is fascinating history, by the way. When Roe versus Wade was first established, the Southern Baptist Convention, the main evangelical group in the United States, supported Roe versus Wade what? during the 1970s. Right. What? So they they have the convention like in 1972 right after Roe versus Wade is decided 1972 i may have my years wrong but it's 1972 1974 and 1978 or something like that and at each of those conventions they reaffirm Roe versus Wade why why because as evangelicals they take the uh, I was going to take the. I was going to say they take the Bible seriously. I take the Bible seriously. I'm not an evangelical. Yes, they, uh, they they read the Bible. They claim to take the Bible seriously. In the 1970s, they did take the Bible seriously, and they knew that the Bible never says anything about the practice of abortion, despite the fact that abortion has been practiced throughout all of human history. And it says nothing about the practice of abortion. So they said, listen, the Bible that we take very seriously says nothing about this practice. And the Supreme Court says, hey, we should allow people to do this. So of course, we're going to support it. Mm -hmm. Now, in the 1980s, as you say, with Ronald Reagan uh, thinks, thinks that he can galvanize Political power by bringing Catholics and Protestants together. And that's how this all forms. And another interesting part of this history, you can Google this, is that there were people in the 1970s who wanted to be able to have segregated schools. Mm. And the Supreme Court said, you can't be that overtly racist in the South, in the United States, in 1970s. Uh, you have to practice your racism n- not as overtly as having segregated schools. So, what did they do? They realized they couldn't have power in overt racism in segregating schools. So, they switched it and they found abortion to be their way of not being super racist, but finding a way to galvanize power without yeah. going to that overt racism. Now, don't please. Hear me repeat myself, overt racism. They move to covert racism, yes. they move to dog whistles. There's yep. still all kinds of racism that infects the United States, me as well, oh, uh, by the way, right? Oh. All of us. Yep. Um, so, but but that was part of the history too. So, one of the interesting things about this is that in the beginning of Roe versus Wade, actually Christians, the main Christian body, didn't just ignore Roe versus Wade, but supported Roe versus
1: Wade. Ooh,
0: that is
1: very interesting to me. That is wildly interesting to me because I didn't I didn't know that piece of it, right? Um, and I think these are the type. Of, chanel said whoop there it is um th- this is the type of conversation we need to be having right because there's so many people parentheses likely with so little education yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. No bias, um that are that are putting out thoughts on this conversation right and they're claiming this pastoral biblical literalist mantle when they're none of those things they're political figureheads with expensive shoes and expensive cars in non-denominational churches like I, i i'm incredibly be i'm being incredibly pointed about it because it's a very limited sect of christianity that has this as a stump speech or a boilerplate right like we're talking about Recent, recent history com- conflated with political agenda, furthered by a right leaning agenda of division and hatred. And also, as an aside i'm still curious why we have to pass amendments about people's personhood because like why in america now this is this is a little bit of a different tangent but we have a constitutional document that that deems people merciless savages three fifths of a human no. being or leaves them out altogether like how are we having yeah. any sort of religious conversation until we rectify or acknowledge these blatantly anti-biblical stances that america has taken
0: you're preaching yeah (laughs) yeah that's what they don't pay me to do right yeah (laughs) Uh, no we've got a lot of uh anti we have a lot of racism we have to deal with we have a lot of anti women uh that we have to deal with um there's just a lot and this anti-women strand is what's is what this is all about uh and so um uh you know if if you're really concerned here if you're really concerned if you really want to be pro-life good lord come on yeah if you really want to be pro-life then you had God damn! Better well provide universal health care for everyone, including women. Those of us who have uteruses who are pregnant. Mm-hmm. If you really care about life inside the womb, you had better provide universal health care for everyone. If you are really pro life, then you had better provide a living wage for everyone. If you're really pro life, you better create housing for everybody. I mean, this, give me a break on the pro-life. You're not pro-life, you're pro-birth.
1: Exactly. And unless you are willing to attack ableism, racism, transphobia, homophobia, unless you're willing to deal with those aspects of life, you are not pro-life because there are people who are quite literally excluded from the conversation funny story about people who are excluded from this conversation to talk about supporting babies in the womb it's very convenient that you're a warrior for unborn babies when you can't be a warrior for born humans
0: i mean this is this is the huge point if you're really going to be pro-life put your money where your mouth is and be pro-life for people who are born yeah that's it i mean you know how much it costs to give birth in the United States? Anywhere from ten dollars to $30,000 plus. Yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. A, chi- a person is born into this world in debt. Yep. yep. The number one reason that people give for having an abortion is uh, economic, economic uh, mm-hmm. insecurity.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, Absolutely. and there are ways that we can fix that. If we're really, if you're really pro-life, you know how much daycare costs, daycare costs in many places. It costs more than college Mm -hmm. to send your kid to daycare year round so that parents can work, provide (laughs) universal daycare. Nope. If you're pro-life, let's go. Absolutely. Provide paternity
1: leave. Yes. uh, All all of these things, like I don't want to hear another sentence about unborn babies until we treat people who are born with respect. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. wild to me that we can wrestle so passionately for the personhood of a fetus, but we can systematically deny rights and disavow rights to people like myself, (laughs) to clear people. To trans people to disabled people to black people to natives our our constitution our founding document still refers to natives as merciless savages that was never rectified ever ever rectified and I just don't think there is a pastoral leg to stand on here until you're willing to deal with the other social issues that we have. I don't think there's a pastoral leg to stand on because you know I think unborn babies and the end times, those are two of evangelicals' favorite things because both of them are essentially non-tangible, non-tangible. And meanwhile, we're missing the forest through the trees when the Bible references poverty and justice over 2,000 times. Right. Um, I have the poverty and justice Bible sitting right here on my shelf, and it has highlighted in this specific Bible every reference to dealing with poverty and economic justice, every single reference. Right. Over two thousand. But we're not dealing with those. And so people who are pro LGBTQ or pro choice are always accused of cherry picking. But tell me who is cherry picking at this point.
0: I. I believe the Bible. I, there are passages in the Bible that say everybody's debt is to be forgiven. What every seven years, yep. and then the year of jubilee is what every forty some years yep. or fifty some years or something like that, where everybody gets their land back, right?
1: Yeah. For, everything is economically reset.
0: Yeah, yeah. So every every seven years, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You should have your debt forgiven.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Right?
0: And how how are Christians going to pick and choose that? Right? Yep. You, they're not. They're not. Because they don't, because they don't really care uh, to take the Bible. They take the Bible, pick and choose what they want from the Bible. Speaking yes, of the Bible, can we go back to the Bible on this? Yes, situation? please. So there, I, I mentioned that there, the Bible never explicitly talks about the practice of abortion, mm-hmm. which uh, which is true. But there are two passages where it refers to something like an abortion right? The first one is Exodus chapter 21, where Mm -hmm. it talks about uh, two men getting in a fight. And if there's a pregnant woman there and she gets hit and she loses her pregnancy, uh, that uh, uh, that that pregnancy is not treated as a human life, but as property. Mm -hmm. And then it says, if anything worse happens, like the woman dies, who -hmm. is a person, Uh, than life for a life but the the pregnancy is not a life according to the bible yeah
1: it's a potentiality for sure but it's not a
0: life right and the bible doesn't even say it's a potentiality it just says we we can extrapolate that yeah but here it is not treated as a life
1: yeah let's be biblical literalists for a moment
0: (laughs) yeah right and so uh, and so this this is the closest uh there are a lot of people who say this is the closest area you get to mm-hmm. abortion mm-hmm. in the bible there's another. there's the other passage that people often bring up which is numbers chapter five right mm-hmm. where if a man thinks his wife is messing around with another dude mm-hmm. uh in the camp that he can take her to the temple and a priest will uh create a uh, concoction of sorcery of some sort mm-hmm. <laughs> of holy water and Mm, some dust from the temple floor. How about that? That Not- sounds yeah. <laughs> some holy, some holy dust from the temple floor, and have the uh, have the woman drink it. And if she's innocent, nothing happens. But uh, what happened? What what is a possibility when men and women have sex? What's a possi- What could happen? Pregnancy. The woman could get pregnant, right? So yeah. if she is uh, guilty, then her uh, uterus will drop. Oh. And she will not, she will not be pregnant. Now there is some complication in the Hebrew of this. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a conservative evangelical scholar named John Goldingay okay. who wrote, who wrote the, uh, you know how uh, N.T. Wright has the New Testament for everyone. John yeah. Golding, yeah. It's right so there. yeah, John Goldingay wrote Old Testament for everyone. <laughs> Right, and in his book on numbers, I know, I know the look. But I was like, hey, this is cool. I'll get the book on numbers and see what he has to say. So he says that the uh, fetus will um, no longer uh, be viable, or something like that. It'll it'll discharge. Um, What happens when a fetus is no longer discharges and is no longer viable? That's that's an abortion. An abortion, literally. (laughs) Right. Here yeah. it is, a God. Uh, God here ordains an abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there it is, right there in the Bible. Yeah. Um, and so if you if you take the Bible literally, apparently there are places where God is cool with abortion. Yep. And in fact, creates medicine to make it happen.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like, stepping into the shoes of a biblical literalist, right? And you right. Know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now there are there are some Christians who are like uh, uh, the commandment is, uh, thou shalt not murder. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they say, this is why you shouldn't have an abortion because thou shalt not murder. Uh, that is, uh, I don't think that's a good argument because after God says thou shalt not murder, what does God have people do? (laughs) Murder.
1: Um, Yep.
0: (laughs) I mean, there's this, there's this guy Jephthah in the book of Judges Mm -hmm. and he, uh, is one of the leaders of Israel during the time and he makes a promise with God or he thinks he's making a promise with God and he says, hey, if I get to defeat these guys on the other side of my town, um, I will sacrifice the next person who walks through my door. Mm-hmm. Right. And he thinks God's cool with this. So he goes and he's successful tragically. And then his daughter walks through his door. And he has he thinks he has to sacrifice his daughter. And this is all in the name of God. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you are worried about life inside of the womb, uh, God in the Bible is not good with life outside of the womb either. <laughs> no, this no, is it's, not a good way really to pick up it. your morals. Right. And there, then there's like, what is it? It's uh, Deuteronomy. Uh, I think it's chapter 22, where it says that, hey, if you have a stubborn and rebellious son uh, that you are to take your son out to the center of the city and gather all the men of the town and stone your rebellious and stubborn son to death. Mm-hmm. Like, we would all, I, as a son, I would have been killed by the time I was 12 years old. Straight right? up. Right. Up. <laughs> I think it's so
1: interesting when people speak of biblical family values because I mean just even looking looking at the Old Testament, you know, and even in the New Testament, like literally Jesus Jesus said to his disciples, let the dead bury their own. Like when someone's yeah. saying, Can I bury my family? Jesus was like, Nope. <laughs> See you later. And then you have commandments like this, right? Where it's like, Hey, by the way, stone your son, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't I think that there's like this sort of evangelical modern fabric. Fabrication of what we want the Bible to say, and uh, my friend and uh, sort of like a me- I'm not a mentor of mine, but someone who I've read recently, Doctor Will Gaffney posted yeah. an article about who speaks for God, right? Yeah. Who speaks for God and who we should be listening to? And I think one of the ultimate ironies is one of the first people who translated the Bible into common speak was Wycliffe, right? Mm. Uh, And this guy, Wycliffe, translated the Bible into the language of the commoners and then was burned at the stake by the church so the question is who is really interpreting the Bible and is it the marginalized people because I'm here to tell you there were not a ton of women hanging around the Council of Nicaea there are not we know that there's not women leaders in the SB in the Southern Baptist Convention so when we're talking about a lot of our modern theological discourse we're talking about what straight white men um, who have education that because they have that education, it, it is a statement on class, right? They're not poor white men, right? Because you couldn't go to school. Right. So you have a lot of the same people and the same voices fun- functioning in this echo chamber, convincing the world that this is what God says. But look at uh, look at Deuteronomy. Look at Numbers. Look at Exodus. Uh, look at the Gospels. Look at these things. Like The Bible is a book with as many flaws as any other book. And if you're going to mm-hmm. take it seriously, you've got to look at the whole thing
0: yep, yep. We
1: don't, there are no such thing as biblical family values there is no such thing as an anti-abortion stance based on the bible there's no such thing where we're talking about the justification for subjugation of entire groups of people yet america as a christian nation we're claiming to subjugate entire groups of people and basing it on the fact that we're a christian nation get out of here
0: i know right yeah, yeah. how here. about jesus with those family values where he says that he came to Divide families. Actually, that's what he came to do, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and and we've seen that in the last uh, couple of years, tragically, that the gospel, the gospel message is going to separate people.
1: Yeah, it is, and that's the reality. If you if you want to get really real with it, the gospel message is going to separate people because it's going to separate people from d- people who don't believe in the innate value of a human mm-hmm. being from the people that do. And it's not – I'm not saying that your family has to be separated, but I'm saying that it's driven wedges between me and damn near everybody I went to college with because I went to a Christian college, right? And the gospel has done that. Make no mistake, like people like to think that I just popped up and done my own thing. But the more seriously I take the Bible and the more I actually push up on the edges of my faith and the more I engage in some early church heresy of my own, the more I see how far we strayed from where we started. Like Jesus was for people, namely people who existed. Mm -hmm. Right (laughs) now, mind you, I'm not saying that I'm like, yo, kill a baby. Right? right that's not what i'm saying but if you're not if, if the catholic church i'm shouting you out how are you going to not support birth control and not support abortion and not support social services
0: yeah that's it that's it absolutely the the, I don't know, the,
1: the man. hula hoops that have to happen for that is it's mind-boggling honestly yep. it's really mind-boggling
0: it is. it is
1: what would you say to people who are you know, really internally struggling with this like give me give me your best pastoral words for someone who was taught like maybe I was, but also is encountering the struggles that we have today and wants to um, wants to be well educated on or on a real true like biblical or spiritually minded standpoint about this
0: uh, i i i I always like um well. I th- I want to help them know that there is plenty of space in Christianity mm-hmm. for people who struggle with this issue and for even more than that, people who affirm the right to abortion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, If you look up on Google, you can find uh, that there were pre-modern Christians in the 7th century, the 6th century, uh, who were doctors of the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Atios of Amida in the 6th century and Paulos of (laughs) Aegina in the 7th century uh, provided detailed instructions for performing abortions and making contraceptions. Mm -hmm. We generally think that this is a modern issue, but Christians have been faithful Christians have been working on abortion and contraception for more than a thousand years. Mm -hmm. I mean, going back to these guys of the sixth and seventh century, Mm -hmm. right? There has always been room in Christianity Uh, for this. And as we were talking about earlier, in the largest evangelical group in the United States, in the 1970s, they were pro-abortion. They affirmed the right to an abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, uh, Kristen DeMuse's uh, book is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. Um, There, there are other, uh, I'll, I'll bring it up here as I keep talking. Um, But there, there are so, there are, many other books of faithful christians writing about this issue Mm -hmm. um and uh they're they're not super difficult to find um Mm -hmm. but i and i would also say um you know the uh the the big issue is is as you talked about earlier how are we going to treat people who are born Mm -hmm. this this should be our issue uh, because if you're really concerned about the life in the womb, then let's take away the number one reason for having abortions, which is economic insecurity. Yes. If you really care about this, because here's what here's what's going to happen if you criminalize abortion, people are still going to get abortions, yep. and they're not they're not going to be safe. Yes, they're, they're going to be they're going to be dangerous for the woman. Yep. and. And we have found in other countries where they have criminalized abortion, the rich, wealthy people uh, who have uteruses are able to go to other places in order to get abortions. And this affects our poor sisters, siblings, and criminalizes them because they don't have the resources to go and get an abortion. So, what you are doing is criminalizing poverty.
1: Exactly. That's so freaking important because it brings me back to my statement about what the Bible says about poverty. Yes. Class in America is one of the single biggest unmarked categories for those of you who are watching what i mean by unmarked categories means a demographic categorization that we just don't talk about right like how people uh, how seat belts were manufactured for the average white man with an average body weight and that's why so many women died in cars before we changed crash test dummies mm. right but 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 class is this unmarked category that we have in our society that we're not willing to reconcile with we have this pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality which by the rec for the record you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps that's actually a giant joke but we have this pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality of well if you just tried harder you could succeed which is an absolute lie class in america is a caste system Mm -hmm. and if you are poor if you are female if you are disabled if you are queer if you are black you are pretty much forced into lower economic classes than your white male able-bodied english-speaking cisgendered heterosexual partners period and so we really do in so many ways have declared war on poor people because you know senators wives congressmen's children um those people are still going to be able to access services so what you're doing is you're not you're not criminalizing it for everybody you're just making it unavailable to the poor people it's social eugenics and it's disgusting yep
0: yep Yep. absolutely uh george bush the the elder Mm -hmm. was uh was uh for roe versus wade Uh, Mm -hmm. until he ran for president and realized oh (laughs) I could get some more power out of this but his wife Barbara Bush uh, wrote in her diary uh, near the end of her life uh, she said something like what do I think about abortion Uh, this is between a woman and her doctor Mm -hmm. Republicans (laughs) right this is
1: Republicans right
0: yeah, yeah. I mean.
1: Saint of Republicans.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, there you go. Oh, uh, one of the resources that I wanted to recommend, uh, you can check out Google Randall Balmer. Okay. Uh, he wrote, uh, where did it go? He wrote a book called, um, here it is, uh, Thy Kingdom Come. Okay. How the religious right distorts the faith and threatens America. (laughs) Oh! Come on!
1: Putting that on my summer reading list. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Randall Balmer he's got a lot of uh, good articles too so if you don't want to get the how could you not want to get a book with that title Come on. I have no um, idea but you can start off with Randall Balmer by just yeah. googling his name and abortion and he's got a whole section in there on abortion and um, the Southern Baptist Convention and all of that so
1: perfect I actually along those lines I just read a book for um for my public theology and racial justice class where uh, it talked about how I'm going to i'm going to butcher the name but it was the subtext was how corporate america created christian america and it Ah. turns out the phrase one nation under god was part of an ad campaign by manufacturer a, a national association of manufacturers (NAM). uh the one nation under god push to have that in the pledge and everything else was sponsored by corporate america to perpetuate capitalism so so much of what we have done has been influenced by politics and capitalism and greed right that there is people need to know where what they're being taught from the pulpit is coming from and we i'm sorry but the misinformation is so incredibly real that you cannot be spoon fed in this era Mm -hmm. and that might sound ableist but i promise you there is there are pastors at good good, actually trained pastors that are going to sit down with you and be real with you. Like, if you need to reach out to me, if you need to reach out to Pastor Adam, go somewhere where someone is critically and intellectually saying, just Just pump the brakes and let's see. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have to come out anywhere. Actually, that's the whole thing of deconstruction is that there's no prescribed endpoint, right? <laughs> it's just that you're actually critically using your brain to think about what you believe and then you're using that to figure out how you engage with the world that's that is what i hope
0: people do amen amen
1: (laughs) i i appreciate you putting out too that there is space in christianity because there is christianity is a broad spectrum and sometimes the yahoos with the loudest voices and the most expensive sneakers and the biggest yellow jeeps um personal reference are not sometimes They're just the loudest people. They're not the ones who are even trying.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate you turning the volume up because those of us on this side of Christianity need to increase the volume. Agreed, agreed. Uh, So glad to be doing that with you.
1: Well, Pastor Adam, I think I have hit the end of my reserves. For those of you who don't know, I was just telling Pastor Adam before, I'm fresh off a negative COVID test, but still feeling like human garbage. Uh, So I'm going to go home and catch some rest. But uh, Pastor Adam, thank you so much for sort of being the world's pastor here. I know you do have a very real family and a very tangible congregation in your area, but I appreciate your presence ever so much. Uh, You do a large amount of emotional uh, and intellectual um weight bearing for a lot of people and i think Mm uh you have to be one of the most influential people i've met just because of your humility to be accessible and to just say maybe i'll listen to you in the process though so i appreciate your presence and i thank you so much for coming on today
0: well thank you leo it's always a pleasure and uh, i'm so glad to be able to call you a friend so thank you for this
1: i love that friends if you're watching if you have questions um shoot one of us a message, uh, do some Google, grab some books, but I need just to say one more thing before I go, and that is we have to use this all as fuel. Um, We cannot fall apart, because the the political and social forces at work that are trying to sort of waylay our society have galvanized around the ideas of fear and hatred and they have intentionally sown fear and hatred into our society because they know it is a powerful motivating factor and so when things like this happen it is okay to be hurt but I need you all to drink your water to get a nap and then to come together across diverse sociological lines because when there is an assault on any of us there is an assault on all of us and the way that we come together is by linking up arms in the margins Mm -hmm. and saying hell no so please when you see things like this happen please do not despair take a moment to feel your feelings because they're valid but please use it as fuel because we have to stand up or it will continue to get worse
0: amen amen so
1: Uh, that's that's the little organizer in me we can be sad but we have to use it as fuel because we have to stand up and you might need to lean on somebody else for support find your organizing community locally whether it's whether it's a spiritual community whether it's a civic community uh, whether it's an organization across the country who can help you figure out how to get people together in your area rural america i'm talking to you we might not look like we have resources but we have numbers and we need to organize so that's that's my little soapbox i'm going to step off and head let's
0: out let's go. Let's do Pastor
1: it Adam. i love you and appreciate you i love you, um, you too my friend thank promise you to come visit you soon all righty have a good day everybody Bye. bye bye and it
0: says nothing about the practice of abortion so they said listen the bible that we take very seriously says nothing about this practice and the supreme court says hey we should allow people to do this so of course we're going to support it now in the 1980s as you say with ronald reagan uh thinks thinks that he can galvanize political power by bringing catholics and protestants together and that's how this all forms and another interesting part of this history you can google this is that there were people in the 1970s Mm. who wanted to be able to have segregated schools Mm. and the supreme court said you can't be that overtly racist in the south in the united states in 1970s uh you have to practice your racism not as overtly as having segregated schools so what did they do they realized they couldn't have power in overt racism in segregating schools so they switched it and they found abortion to be their way of not being super racist but finding a way to galvanize power without going to that overt racism now don't please hear me repeat myself over racism they moved to covert racism yes. they moved to dog whistles there's yep. still all kinds of racism that infects the united states me as well Oh, uh, by absolutely. Way, right oh. all of us yep. um so but but that was part of the history too so one of the interesting things about this is that in the beginning of roe versus wade actually christians the main christian body didn't just ignore Roe versus Wade, but supported Roe versus
1: Wade.. Ooh, that is very interesting to me. that is wildly interesting to me because I didn't I didn't know that piece of it, right? Um, and I think these are the type <laughs> Chanel said, whoop, there it is. Um, th- this is the type of conversation we need to be having, right? Because there's so many people, parentheses, likely with so little education. <laughs> Yeah, there's yeah. nobodies um, that are they're putting out thoughts on this conversation, right? And they're claiming this pastoral, biblical, literalist mantle when they're none of those things. They're political figureheads with expensive shoes and expensive cars in non-denominational churches. Yep. Like, yeah. I, I'm incredibly... Be I'm being incredibly pointed about it because it's a very limited sect of Christianity that has this as a stump speech or a boilerplate right like we're talking about recent recent history. Com- conflated with political agenda furthered by a right leaning agenda of division and hatred, and also. As an aside, I'm still curious why we have to pass amendments about people's personhood. Because, like, why in America, now this is this is a little bit of a different tangent, but we have a constitutional document that, that deems people merciless, savages, three-fifths of a human being, or leaves them out altogether. Like, how are we having any sort of religious conversation until we rectify or... acknowledge these blatantly anti-biblical stances that america has taken
0: you're preaching yeah
1: (laughs) yeah that's what they don't pay me to do right yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) no we've got a lot of uh anti we have a lot of racism we have to deal with we have a lot of anti-women uh that we have to deal with um there's just a lot and this anti-women strand is what's is what this is all about uh, and so um uh you know if if you're really concerned here if you're really concerned if you really want to be pro-life good lord come on yeah if you really want to be pro-life then you had goddamn better well provide universal health care for everyone including women those of us who have uteruses who are pregnant mm-hmm. if you really care about life inside the womb you had better provide universal health care for everyone if you are yes. really pro-life then you had better provide a living wage for everyone if you're really pro-life you better create housing for everybody mm-hmm. i mean this give me a break on the pro you're not pro-life you're pro-birth
1: Exactly. And unless you are willing to attack ableism, racism, transphobia, homophobia, unless you're willing to deal with those aspects of life, you are not pro-life because there are people who are quite literally excluded from the conversation funny story about people who are excluded from this conversation to talk about supporting babies in the womb it's very convenient that you're a warrior for unborn babies when you can't be a warrior for born humans
0: i mean this is this is the huge point if you're really going to be pro-life put your money where your mouth is and be pro-life for people who are born yeah that's it i mean you know how much it costs to give birth in the United States? Anywhere from ten to $30,000 plus. Yeah. yeah, It's ridiculous. A, chi- a person is born into this world in debt. Yep. yep. The number one reason that people give for having an abortion is uh, economic, economic uh, mm-hmm. insecurity.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, Absolutely. and there are ways that we can fix that. If you're really, if you're really pro-life, you know how much daycare costs. Daycare oh costs in many places; it costs more than college mm-hmm. to send yeah. your kid to daycare year-round, so that parents can work. Provide universal daycare. Nope. Yep. If you're pro-life, let's yeah. go.
1: Absolutely, provide provide paternity leave. Yes. Uh, All of these things, like, I don't want to hear another sentence about unborn babies until we treat people who are born with respect. Mm -hmm, It's so mm -hmm. wild to me that we can wrestle so passionately for the personhood of a fetus, but we can systematically deny rights and disavow rights to people like myself, (laughs) to queer people to trans people, to disabled people, to black people, to natives, our our constitution, our founding document still refers to natives as merciless savages. That was never rectified, ever, ever rectified. And I just don't think there is a pastoral leg to stand on here until you're willing to deal with the other social issues that we have. Yep. I don't think there's a pastoral leg to stand on because you know I think unborn babies and the end times, those are two of evangelical's favorite things because both of them are essentially non-tangible. Non-tangible. And meanwhile, we're missing the forest through the trees when the Bible references poverty and justice over two thousand times, right? Yep. Um, That's I have nice. the poverty and justice bible sitting right here on my shelf and it has highlighted in this specific bible every reference to dealing with poverty and economic justice every single reference right over two thousand but we're not dealing with those and so people who are pro lgbtq or pro choice are always accused of cherry picking but tell me who is cherry picking at this point
0: I... i i believe the bible i there are passages in the bible that say everybody's debt is to be forgiven what every seven years yep. and then the year of jubilee is what every 40 some years yep. or 50 some years or something like that where everybody gets their land back right
1: everything yeah. is economically reset
0: yeah yeah so every every seven years right uh you should have your debt forgiven
1: absolutely absolutely right?
0: and how how are christians going to pick and choose that right yep. You're, they're not they're not because exactly. they don't because they don't really care uh, to take the bible they take the bible they can choose what they want from the bible speaking yes. of the bible can we go back to the bible on this yes, please so there i i mentioned that there the bible never explicitly talks about the practice of abortion mm-hmm. which uh, which is true but there are two passages where it refers to something like an abortion right the first one is exodus chapter 21 where mm-hmm. it talks about uh two men getting in a fight and if there's a pregnant woman there and she gets hit and the, she loses her pregnancy uh that uh, uh that that pregnancy is not treated as a human life but as property mm-hmm. and then it says if anything worse happens like the woman dies who is a person uh then life for a life but mm-hmm. the the pregnancy is not a life according to the bible
1: yeah it's a potentiality for sure
0: but it's not a life right and the bible doesn't even say it's a potentiality it just says we we can extrapolate that yeah but here it is not treated as a life yeah let's
1: be biblical literalists for a moment
0: (laughs) yeah right and so uh, and so this this is the closest uh there are a lot of people who say this is the closest area you get to abortion mm-hmm. in the bible there's another. there's the other passage that people often bring up which is numbers chapter five right mm-hmm. where if a man thinks his wife is messing around with another dude uh mm-hmm. in the camp that he can take her to the temple and a priest will uh create a uh, concoction of sorcery of some sort <laughs> mm-hmm. of holy water and Mm, some dust from the temple floor yep. how about that that yep. sounds yep. some holy <laughs> some holy dust from the temple floor and have the uh have the woman drink it and if she's innocent, nothing happens but uh what happened what what is a possibility when a men and women have sex what's a possible what could happen pregnancy The woman could get pregnant right so yep. if she is uh guilty, then her uh uterus will drop oh and she will not, she will not be pregnant. Now there is some complication in the Hebrew of this. Uh, there's a conservative evangelical scholar named John Goldingay okay. who wrote. Who wrote the? Uh, you know how uh, N. T. Wright has the New Testament for everyone. John yeah. Golding, yeah, it's right so, there. Yeah, John Goldingay wrote Old Testament for everyone. <laughs> Right. And in his book on numbers, I know, I know the look, but I was like, hey, this is cool. I'll get the book on numbers and see what he has to say. So he says that the uh, fetus will um, no longer uh, be viable or something like that. It'll it'll discharge. Um, what happens when a fetus is no longer discharges and is no longer viable? That's that's an abortion.
1: An abortion. Literally. Right?
0: Here yeah. it is, a God uh God here ordains an abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh so there it is right there in the Bible. Yeah. Um and so if you if you take the Bible literally, apparently there are places where God is cool with abortion. Yep. And in fact creates medicine to make it happen.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean like let like stepping into the shoes of a biblical literalist, right? And, you know? Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now there are there are some Christians who are like uh uh the commandment is uh thou shalt not murder mm-hmm. uh and they say this is why you shouldn't have an abortion because thou shalt not murder uh that is uh n- i don't think that's a good argument because after god says thou shalt not murder what does god have people do <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yep <laughs> i mean yep. there's this there's this guy jephthah in the book of judges mm-hmm. and he uh is one of the leaders of israel during the time and he makes a promise with god or he thinks he's making a promise with god and he says hey if i get to defeat these guys on the other side of my town um i will sacrifice the next person who walks through my door mm-hmm. right and he thinks god's cool with this so he goes and he's successful tragically and then his daughter walks through his door and yes he, he thinks he has to sacrifice his daughter and this is all in the name of god mm-hmm. right So if you are worried about life inside of the womb, uh, God in the Bible is not good with life outside of the womb either. (laughs) No, it's not not, a good way to pick up your morals, right? And then there's like, what is it? It's uh, Deuteronomy. uh, I think it's chapter 22, where it says that, hey, if you have a stubborn and rebellious son— Uh, That you are to take your son out to the center of the city and gather all the men of the town and stone your rebellious and stubborn son to death. (laughs) Like, we would all, as a son, I would have been killed by the time I was 12 years old. Straight up. Straight up. I think it's so interesting when people speak of biblical
1: family values because, I mean, just even look, looking at the Old Testament, you know, and even in the New Testament, like literally Jesus, Jesus said to his disciples, let the dead bury their own. Like when someone's yeah. saying, can I bury my family? Jesus was like, nope, <laughs> see you later. And then you have commandments like this, right, where it's like, hey, by the way, stone your son, you know um mm-hmm. i just don't i think that there's like this sort of evangelical modern fabrication of what we want the bible to say and uh, my friend and uh sort of like a me- i'm not a mentor of mine but someone who i've read recently dr will gaffney posted yeah. an article about who speaks for god right yeah. who yeah. speaks God and who we should be listening to and I think one of the ultimate ironies is one of the first people who translated the Bible into common speak was Wycliffe right Mm. Uh, and this guy Wycliffe translated the Bible into the language of the commoners and then was burned at the stake by the church so the question is who is really interpreting the Bible and is it the marginalized people because I'm here to tell you there were not a ton of women hanging around the Council of Nicaea There are not, we know that there's not women leaders in the SB, in the Southern Baptist Convention. So when we're talking about a lot of our modern theological discourse, we're talking about what straight white men um, who have education that, because they have that education, it it is a statement on class, right? They're not poor white men, right? Because you couldn't go to school. So you have a lot of the same people and the same voices functioning in this echo chamber convincing the world that this is what God says. But look at uh, look at Deuteronomy, look at Numbers, look at Exodus. Uh, look at the Gospels, look at these things. Like the Bible is a book with as many flaws as any other book. And if you're going to take mm-hmm. it seriously, you've got to look at the whole thing.
0: Yep. Yep. We don't.
1: there are no such thing as biblical family values there is no such thing as an anti-abortion stance based on the bible there's no such thing where we're talking about the justification for subjugation of entire groups of people yet america as a christian nation we're claiming to subjugate entire groups of people and basing it on the fact that we're a christian nation get out of here
0: i know right yeah. Yeah. yeah how about jesus with those family values where he says that he came to divide families, actually. That's what he came to do.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
0: and, and we've seen that in the last uh, couple of years, tragically, that the gospel, the gospel message is going to separate people.
1: Yeah, it is. And that's the reality. If you, if you want to get really real with it, the gospel message is going to separate people because it's going to separate people from d- people who don't believe in the innate value of a human mm-hmm. being from the people that do. And it's not – I'm not saying that your family has to be separated, but I'm saying that it's driven wedges between me and damn near everybody I went to college with because I went to a Christian college, right? And the gospel has done that make no mistake like people like to think that i just popped up and done my own thing but the more seriously i take the bible and the more i actually push up on the edges of my faith and the more i engage in some early church heresy of my own the more i see how far we strayed from where we started like jesus was for people namely people who existed Mm -hmm. right now mind you i'm not saying that i'm like yo kill a baby Right? right that's not what i'm saying but if you're not if, if the catholic church i'm shouting you out how are you going to not support birth control and not support abortion and not support social services
0: yeah that's it that's it absolutely the, the, know, the,
1: the hula hoops that have to happen for that is it's mind-boggling honestly yep. it's really mind-boggling it is. it is what would you say to people who are you know really internally struggling with this like give me give me your best pastoral words for someone who was taught like maybe i was but also is encountering the struggles that we have today and wants to um wants to be well educated on on a real true like biblical or spiritually minded standpoint about this
0: uh i i i I always like um well I want to help them know that there is plenty of space in Christianity Mm -hmm. for people who struggle with this issue and for even more than that, people who affirm the right to abortion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you look up on Google, you can find Uh, that there were pre-modern Christians in the 7th century, the 6th century uh, who were doctors of the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Atios of Amida in the 6th century and Paulos of (laughs) Aegina in the 7th century uh, provided detailed instructions for performing abortions and making contraceptions. Mm -hmm. We generally think that this is a modern issue but christians have been faithful christians have been working on abortion and contraception for more than a thousand years Mm -hmm. i mean going back to these guys of the sixth and seventh century Mm -hmm. right there has always been room in christianity uh for this and as we were talking about earlier in the largest evangelical group in the united states in the 1970s they were pro-abortion they affirmed the right to an abortion Mm -hmm. um so i uh Kristen demuse's uh book is a great place to start Mm -hmm. um there there are other uh i'll i'll bring it up here as i keep talking um but there there are so there are many other books of faithful christians writing about this issue Mm um and uh they're they're not super difficult to find mm-hmm. um but i and i would also say um you know the uh the the big issue is is as you talked about earlier how are we going to treat people who are born mm-hmm. this this should be our issue mm-hmm. uh, because if you're really concerned about the life in the womb then let's take away the number one reason for having abortions, which is economic insecurity. Yes. You really care about this, because here's what here's what's going to happen if you criminalize abortion. People are still going to get abortions, yep. and they're not, they're not going to be safe. Yes. They're, they're going to be they're going to be dangerous for the woman. Yep. And and we have found in other countries where they have criminalized abortion, the rich, wealthy, people. Uh, who have uteruses, are able to go to other places in order to get abortions, and this affects our poor sisters, siblings, and criminalizes them because they don't have the resources to go and get an abortion. Mm -hmm. So what you are doing is criminalizing poverty
1: exactly
0: that's so freaking important because it brings me
1: back to my statement about what the Bible says about poverty yes class in America is one of the single biggest unmarked categories for those of you who are watching what I mean by unmarked categories means a demographic categorization that we just don't talk about right like how people uh, how seat belts were manufactured for the average white man With an average body weight and that's why so many women died in cars before we changed crash test dummies Mm -hmm. right but 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 class is this unmarked category that we have in our society that we're not willing to reconcile with we have this pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality which by the for the record you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps that's actually a giant joke but we have this pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality of well if you just tried harder you could succeed which is an absolute lie class in america is a caste system and if you are poor if you are female if you are disabled if you are queer if you are black you are pretty much forced into lower economic classes than your white male able-bodied english-speaking cisgendered heterosexual partners period and so we really do in so many ways have declared war on poor people because you know senators wives congressmen's children um those people are still going to be able to access services so what you're doing is you're not you're not criminalizing it for everybody you're just making it unavailable to the poor people it's social eugenics and it's disgusting Yep.
0: yep yep absolutely uh george bush the the elder Mm -hmm. was uh was uh for roe versus wade uh, Mm -hmm. until he ran for president and realized oh (laughs) i could get some more power out of this but his wife barbara bush uh wrote in her diary uh, near the end of her life uh, she said something like what do i think about abortion Uh, this is between a woman and her doctor Mm -hmm. Republicans, (laughs) Republicans. <laughs> right? This oh, is Republicans, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean
1: saint of Republicans.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh so yeah, there you go. Oh, uh one of the resources that I wanted to recommend, uh you can check out Google Randall Balmer. Okay. Uh he wrote uh where did it go? He wrote a book called um, here it is, uh Thy Kingdom Come. Okay. How the Religious Right Distorts the Faith and Threatens America. <laughs> oh! Come on!
1: Putting that on my summer reading list. <laughs> uh,
0: Randall Bomber. He's got a lot of uh, good articles, too. So if you don't want to get the how could you not want to get a book with that title? Come I on. have no but idea. But you can start off with Randall Balmer by just Googling his name and abortion. And he's got a whole section in there on abortion and um the southern baptist convention and all of that so
1: perfect i actually along those lines i just read a book for um for my public theology and racial justice class where uh, it talked about how i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher the name but it was the subtext was how corporate america created christian america and it wow. turns out the phrase one nation under god was part of an ad campaign by manufacturer a, a national association of manufacturers and Uh, the one nation under god push to have that in the pledge and everything else was sponsored by corporate america to perpetuate capitalism so so much of what we have done has been influenced by politics and capitalism and greed right that there is people need to know where what they're being taught from the pulpit is coming from And we, I'm sorry, but the misinformation is so incredibly real that you cannot be spoon-fed in this era. Mm -hmm. And that might sound ableist, but I promise you there is, there are pastors, good, good, actually trained pastors that are going to sit down with you and be real with you. Like if you need to reach out to me, if you need to reach out to Pastor Adam, go somewhere where someone is critically and intellectually saying, "Just, just pump the brakes and let's see. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have to come out anywhere. Actually, that's the whole thing of deconstruction is that there's no prescribed endpoint, right? It's just that you're actually critically using your brain to think about what you believe. And then you're using that to figure out how you engage with the world. That is that is what I hope people do.
0: Amen. Amen.
1: <laughs> I, I appreciate you putting out, too, that there is space in Christianity because there is christianity is a broad spectrum and sometimes the yahoos with the loudest voices and the most expensive sneakers and the biggest yellow jeeps um personal reference are not sometimes they're just the loudest people they're not the ones who are even trying
0: yeah yeah well i appreciate you turning the volume up because those of us on this side of christianity need to increase the volume agreed agreed Uh, so yeah weve gotta be doing that with you.
1: Well, Pastor Adam, I think I have hit the end of my reserves. For those of you who don't know, I was just telling Pastor Adam before, I'm fresh off a negative COVID test, but still feeling like human garbage. Uh, so I'm going to go home and catch some rest. But uh, Pastor Adam, thank you so much for sort of being the world's pastor here. I know you do have a very real family and a very tangible congregation in your area, but I appreciate your presence ever so much. Uh, you do a large amount of emotional uh, and intellectual um weight bearing for a lot of people and i think uh you have to be one of the most influential people i've met just because of your humility to be accessible and to just say maybe i'll listen to you in the process though so i appreciate your presence and i thank you so much for coming on today
0: well thank you leo it's always a pleasure and uh, i'm so glad to be able to call you a friend so thank you for this.
1: i love that friends if you're watching if you have questions um Shoot one of us a message. Uh, do some Google. Grab some books. But I need just to say one more thing before I go, and that is, we have to use this all as fuel. Um, we cannot fall apart because the the political and social forces at work that are trying to sort of waylay our society have galvanized around the ideas of fear and hatred and they have intentionally sown fear and hatred into our society because they know it is a powerful motivating factor and so when things like this happen it is okay to be hurt but i need you all to drink your water to get a nap and then to come together across diverse sociological lines because when there is an assault on any of us there is an assault on all of us and the way that we come together is by linking up arms in the margins Mm -hmm. and saying hell no so please when you see things like this happen please do not despair take a moment to feel your feelings because they're valid but please use it as fuel because we have to stand up or it will continue to get worse amen amen so Uh, that's that's the little organizer in me we can be sad but we have to use it as fuel because we have to stand up and you might need to lean on somebody else for support find your organizing community locally whether it's whether it's a spiritual community whether it's a civic community uh, whether it's an organization across the country who can help you figure out how to get people together in your area rural america i'm talking to you we might not look like we have resources but we have numbers and we need to organize so that's that's my little soapbox i'm going to step off and head out
0: let's do it
1: i love you and appreciate you Um, you. you.
0: you all right have a good day everybody
1: this has been the conversations podcast thank you so much for joining if you have any questions or comments or just want to get involved feel free to join the conversation on social media. You can find us at Conversations Official on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please don't forget to rate, follow, and share this podcast. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining the conversation.